Hello, and welcome to RBC Disruptors. I'm John Stackhouse, host of our ongoing conversation about innovation, disruption, and how technology is changing everything around us. In our last episode, I spoke with Andrew Shrum, one of our researchers, about a new RBC report called Farmer 4.0 that looks at the skills needed in agriculture in an age of automation. We talked about how technology, robotics, drones, sensors are changing every aspect of farming and what the farmer of the future, the one we call Farmer 4.0, is going to need to thrive and help feed the world. Today, I'm on a farm in southwestern Ontario with a couple who define Farmer 4.0. Matt and Jacqueline Walker are dairy farmers in the hamlet of Muir near Woodstock, Ontario. On their 60-acre farm, they're raising 100 dairy cows in an operation that is built around a robotic milker. In fact, everything inside the barn is automated. Matt and Jacqueline will walk us through a day in their lives as dairy farmers and how they're working with robotics and advanced data analytics while also caring for their animals and ensuring that their farm is as prosperous as ever. This is what Farmer 4.0 is all about. Jacqueline, you grew up on the farm here. It was a hog farm, hog and chicken. Now it's a dairy farm. What convinced you to stay in farming? Well, that's interesting, actually. If you ask my mom, she would tell you that when I was a teenager, I said I would never marry a farmer. But here I am, a farmer. So, But we have four kids of our own. So um, I, I have lots of fond memories of growing up on a farm. And, you know, you have this beautiful yard and, and, and space to grow up on. And I think farming teaches young people good work ethics and there's lots of opportunities to be had on a farm so um you know when I met Matt and he was interested in doing this and you know we talked a lot about it and what we wanted our life to look like in our future and we thought that the farm where we both kind of grew up on a farm was the best place to do that. So Matt you grew up on a dairy farm in southern New Brunswick and you've been uh running or working with your wife to run this uh this farm for about five years what's the most important skill most valuable skill you see today in dairy farming? So to me, looking at this, uh, at, at our particular dairy, I would say problem solving is the number one thing that anyone in the dairy industry or managing a dairy in today's you know, fast-paced world needs to have. Whether it's a, a problem with a, a piece of robotics or a problem with a cow, you need to have a methodical approach to how you're going to solve it. So I would say that the successful dairies do this very well. So I'd, I'd love to look at some of the technology that you've, uh, you've got at work. Can we go inside and look at it? Let's go in and check a few things out. So we're standing inside the barn now and looking at about 100 uh, dairy cows. They're under a whole system of fans, keeping them cool. It's a fairly hot August uh, day when we're recording. Many of them are eating. Some of them are uh, just standing there as cows do thinking about uh, the universe around them. Uh, and in the middle of it is the robot. It's actually inside a, uh, inside a metal shed. But that's uh, where a lot of the milking is now being done. We'll, uh, we'll, get to, we'll get to talk about. Jacqueline, you grew up on this property, a very different barn, different farm at the time. Would you have had more people working on the farm or just more hours from the family, uh, you and your siblings and parents? Yeah, I think um, definitely we put in a lot of hours for the size of the farm. Like I said, it was a really small kind of hobby farm, but there was a lot of hours worked um, for the size of that barn. I came from, I come from a family with four siblings, so everybody had to do their share. And my dad spent a lot of time in the barn. Um, you know, the labor efficiency of this barn is, is 
far beyond what we grew up with for sure. So that makes your farm more efficient. We'll talk a bit about the economics of that in, in a little bit, but that also enables or allows you both to do different things, to teach, to spend time with, uh, you've got four young children under the age of five. It allows for a lot of flexibility, which given that you know we aren't traditional farmers where our whole family is at home for the day, we have sort of set times that we come out in the morning. You know, this is what works for our family. It's the only way that we could have this dairy. Um, the robot kind of provides that because Matt works so many hours off farm and we have four young children who are involved in various things. And so it, it, this is the way that we are able to have a dairy farm and continue with the lifestyle we have before. So I'm, I'm looking at about a dozen cows right now sticking their heads through some fencing to uh, get to get to the feed someone today has to shovel this uh, towards where the cows are but you're looking at buying a machine that will do that for you what's going through your mind as you make that decision whether to buy the machine to do what a person does today so it's called a, a feed pusher and all the dealerships now sell their own version of an automatic feed pusher and what that does is eight times a day there's a little pu a feed pusher that would go down the alley and push the feed into the cows so you don't need to do that manually. Who's doing that today? Today the reason why we have currently... Jacqueline just put her hand up so she uh, she's the one who did it today. Jacqueline how, what's involved yeah. in uh, and don't make me do it <laughs> in uh, human uh, human feed pushing. Yes, well, we have a trusty pitchfork. You can see over to the side here and a snow shovel. And, you know, we basically go along and pitch the top off and um, and then, you know, continue with the snow shovel behind. But the key to getting this feed pusher, to having an automatic feed pusher, I only, you know, want to be in this barn three or four times a day. So right now I'm going to push the feed up every time I'm in the barn to make sure they have access to fresh feed as often as possible. With this feed pusher, it's going to go down double the amount of times that I do, particularly through the night as well when, you know, we're not going to come out at four in the morning and, or three in the morning and push up feed. So this pusher is going to ensure that there is fresh feed access to the cows at all time, which, you know, um, ups their intake and then ups their production. The big piece of technology out here is the robot. Can we take a look at it? Definitely. So, so Matt, Matt and I are standing inside a metal shed in the middle of the, uh, the barn looking at a giant, it's called a robotic milker. It just looks like a machine. And one of his uh, cows is hooked up to it. Matt, tell us how this operates. So... The cows have free access, first of all, so that they can visit the robot whenever they want. The average visits per cow right now on our farm are about 3.2. So when the cows are... 3.2 times a day? 3.2 milkings per cow per day. So when, when the cows are fresher, so just after calving or just after they've had their calf, they, can, they usually get milk four to five times a day. And then as they go through their lactation, which is about 300 days, so as they pass that 100, 150 days, usually they go back to about 3 or 2.5 milkings per day. And when this was all done by hand, how many milkings a day? Most Canadian that? dairy farmers milk their cows twice a day. Some do milk their cows three times a day, every eight hours. 
which would take a little bit more labor to do. But it's very rare. Uh, how do the cows d- develop the sense of what to do and when, when they want to do it? So what happens on a robot dairy is there's a pellet that's placed in a feed bin in front of the cow and when, when she walks in. And this pellet, you have to think of it like almost a little bit of chocolate. And cows love pellet or love grain. And that drives them to visit the robot. And then the milking procedure itself is actually a, a happy event for a cow. So when she's eating the pellet, on average, a cow takes five minutes to milk. So the pellet slowly is slowly dispensed for five minutes as she's being milked. And then she exits the robot. So the robot is now shifting into gear, presumably waiting for another cow to, uh, to enter the pen. Where, where was this thing made? It's called West Coast Robotics. Where, where does it so, come from? So the, 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 we have a Lely robotic milker, and there's about three or four main types of robotics, the Lely, the De Laval, and the Gia. Um, the Lely one what came is first was released over in Holland and then made its way to Canada, and it was one of the first ones that uh, was released in Canada. So they've been here now for about 15 years. And how much would a contraption like this cost per robot you're looking at anywhere from 200 to 250,000 per robot and there's got to be a lot of software that comes with this that uh, you've had to learn how to how to work with what, what kind of skills have you developed to go along with the robot yes everything is uh, there's a ton of data and there's a ton of computers it's all run by a central CPU or the CRS it's called which is one great big computer that runs the, the robot and collects all the information and then spits it out on a desktop computer that we are at two or three times a day every time we come to the barn. So you really have to get good at programming, changing the inputs or, or, or changing the data around so you get the proper inputs so you can make efficient use of your time. Because right now with automated or robotic farming, there's so much data available from rumination, which tells you how many minutes per day a cow's chewing her cud, to conductivity of the milk, which tells you the color and or the consistency of the milk, which would detect mastitis. Um, and whether that changes like the individual dairy, daily variation with certain cows. So you don't want the whole cow, the whole herd when you come to the barn to show up on the sick cow list because you're going to have to spend too much time looking at the herd. So you have to really get good at managing and manipulating the data to meet your needs. So that sounds like a lot of sectors, a lot of professions that are inundated with data, and a lot of people don't know what to, what, what to do with it. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what sorts of things are you doing with all that data? I would say to be an efficient farmer and to use this technology to the, the, its best advantage, you really have to focus on uh, making or getting the most out of your cows. So you really need to achieve the 3.2, 3.3, 3.4 milkings per day per cow. You really need to achieve a higher level of animal performance. So you have to maintain or know what your rumination is at, know how much milk per cow, what your butterfat and protein are at in your milk, which is going to dictate how your cows are actually performing. So you need to use the information to change and get the most out of each individual cow. So a, a, another cow has entered 
the slot here and the robot's gone to uh, work milking it. It's operating a bit like a car wash. I can't think of anything else as the contraption moves, uh, moves around. But the, uh, but the cow seems very happy eating the, uh, eating the pellet and being milked at the same time. While Matt here thinks about the data that's going to come out and allow him to sort of retool his, uh, his economics. That's right. That's right, John. So Matt's just uh, slipped away to fix one of the, uh, I don't know what you call the uh, device. Tea. that The, 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 the teacups. The teacups. The teacups. Tea yeah. uh, fairly simple. So the, the te- there goes to show you so that. You the can have a robot, but uh, yes. it still needs a human to fix the teacups. Right. The that's technology right. is not perfect, of course, right? So that's another thing. Some people kind of have this misconception that because you have a highly you know, technological automated. barn, automated barn, that you don't need to be in your barn. And that's so far from the truth. You know, we probably spend almost as much time in the barn as we would if we were milking in a parlor. It's just different. Your time is spent differently. You're really managing the automation and, and you know, really you need to be, you need to be on top of paying attention to your cows because you're not having that interaction with them twice a day mm. that you would if you were physically milking them. So you have to be more, um, you know, it's, it's more of a management position, I guess, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like at nighttime when you walk the herd, you know, the same cows lay in the same stall and they do the same thing every single day. They're not like a human. Cows don't like variation. They like their meat and potatoes in the same bed every single day. So as a veterinarian, you really notice that I can, I know every single cow in that barn and I know every single cow's habit in that barn when I walk through at nighttime. And if there's a little variation from their normal daily activity, right away I'll pick that up. That makes a good manager. And that, my friends, is the definition of someone who's a cow fanatic. (laughs) So you're spending, despite the automation, as much time in the barn, more or less, as you would have before. But I see you doing mechanical things, adjusting the robotic equipment, working with data, thinking about these management challenges. So time spent in the barn, but very different activities. Yeah. For me, I think it allows you to focus in more on where your farm's goals are. So Jackie, Jacqueline and I, our our, our true goal is to get to around 4 or 3.5 to 4 kgs of solids, which is fat and protein, produced per cow per day, which would be phenomenal to have a cow at 2 kgs of butter fat and about 1.5 kgs of protein. That would be amazing. No one's doing that currently in the dairy industry. Where where are you now? Right now we're at about 1.7 kgs of fat and about 1.3, 1.35 kgs of protein. So we still have about another 10 to 15% to go to get there. Um, the industry average would be around 1.2 kgs of fat and 1 kg of protein. But I absolutely agree, in our lifetime, there will be farmers that can achieve that through management, automation, and genetics. Great. So you've got management by objectives uh, at work here. We're back outside the barn looking at a beautiful part of the country. As far as the eye can see, corn, wheat, soybeans clouds in the sky, a tractor going down the, uh, the road. I think there's a person driving the tractor. <laughs> We're not there yet where there's uh, autonomous tractors on the, uh, on, the, uh, on the open road, but probably not far off we'll, we'll, we'll be there. 
Yeah, Matt and Jacqueline, as we look over farm country here, I wonder what you'd tell an 18-year-old who's thinking about a career in agriculture somewhere in the country. What question should they ask themselves? Well, the first question is, do you like debt? (laughs) 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 You know, growing up on a farm, my father said to me, you know, we didn't really talk about this as much, but my father said, Matthew, if you like agriculture, you have to like debt. You are truly never out of debt until you sell your farm when it's all over. So you have to be comfortable sleeping with millions of dollars of debt, which some people just aren't. So you have to like that. And, you know, the, the, the huge benefits of working in agriculture are you get to spend a lot of time at home with your family. There's zero travel time except a pair of boots and a walk to the barn. Um, and that's your travel time to, the, to your occupation. So you get to spend time with your family. You have to like debt. And, you know, you have to like working with, working with the land, working with animals. And, and you have to have a passion for agriculture. Jacqueline, what would you suggest to an 18-year-old? Um, I would suggest to an 18-year-old, again, practically speaking, that you need to really hone in on your problem-solving skills and you need to be uh, patient. Um, animals require patience. Machinery and equipment requires the patience of a saint sometimes. Um, so, you know, you need to be able to attack problems with patience and you know with kind of a clear set of basic skills so pay attention all you can to every single opportunity there is to learn about different things um, because all of those little skills that you learn from different trades are going to come in handy for sure on your farm and like Matt said you need passion and you need to be able to work hard you know the other thing about robotic dairy or precision uh, farming and or dairy farming is that you're on call 24 7 you know, if you have a cow calving, all of a sudden you're you're like a OB doctor in the hospital. If you have a ro- like, just like Jacqueline was talking about earlier, if you have a robot problem or problem solving a, to fix a robot at four four or three a.m. in the morning, you are on call twenty four seven, and you have to you have to you have to uh, have a wife that can support someone being on call twenty four seven, and you have to have a mindset that you want that in your life. Well, it's why we, the, the industry is built on owner-operators. Own, owner In our uh, study, we call them the deciders because uh, you're making decisions every hour of the day. But the whole sector is built on the self-employed entrepreneurs, and that's what makes it uh, such an exciting sector. But we also have to think about the economics of that, that it's sustainable, uh, especially for younger Canadians to go into the sector as deciders, to be in debt probably for a good uh, chunk of uh, chunk of their lives. And we're not seeing enough young people sort of invest themselves in, in that. So an important conversation for the country to think about how do we make agriculture attractive to to a new generation but uh, thank you for giving a great example of how it uh, how it can work it's been great to spend time with you both thanks John that was a remarkable tour with two really interesting Canadians who are at the forefront of a skills revolution in agriculture Matt and Jacqueline Walker are on the cutting edge of technology in the dairy sector. They're experimenting, they're innovating, they're showing what Farmer 4.0 looks like. I learned from them the growing need to balance technical skills and human skills, which we're seeing in every sector. The need to understand advanced technologies and be able to work with sophisticated consultants and advisors while also having those animal skills if you're in agriculture, human skills in every sector to make decisions, to think about problems. As Matt said, number one skill he needs is problem solving. 
That's true, we hear in pretty much every sector, but especially in agriculture, where problem solvers are needed more and more. I also realized how attractive this sector can be for a new generation of Canadians. It's tough. You've got to love debt, as Matt said. You've got to love long hours. You've got to love the land. You've got to love the unpredictability of agriculture. We talk a lot about the precarious economy. Well, agriculture can be as precarious as it gets, but it can also be the most rewarding sector because of all that it, uh, all that it generates and the challenges that it brings. Farmer 4.0 is going to allow Canada to take advantage of those challenges and turn them into opportunities. If you want to know more about Farmer 4.0, you can read our report at rbc.com farmer4 or read our Humans Wanted report at rbc.com slash humanswanted or Google us at RBC and Humans Wanted. You've been listening to RBC Disruptors. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform or follow us using the hashtag RBC Disruptors. I'm John Stackhouse. Thanks for listening.